Dear Editor, this is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July near the golf course in Vallejo. To prove I killed them, I shall state some facts which only <clears throat> I and the police know. Hello and welcome, welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen, and it's a podcast where we talk about movies, and specifically a movie that at least one of us has never seen before. Uh, This is episode number 36. We're talking about 2007 film from David Fincher called Zodiac, and I am your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. Joining me this week, I have Tyler Cardwell. Hello, thank Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on. I also have Keith. Hello. Hey. Uh, Keith, you had never seen this movie before. Nah, I just slipped through the cracks. No, well, I'm glad that I could twist your arm and get you to watch it. Yeah, well, that was a real chore, wasn't it? Oh, definitely. Um, so I'm going to come right out and say at the start, this is one of my favorite movies. I, it was good. Yeah, yeah I, definitely. I love David Fincher, first of all. Uh, I think he is a phenomenal director. This might be my favorite David Fincher film and that's saying a lot given that he also directed seven fight club um i really liked panic room personally um yeah and and the the game game as well well. the game yep uh social network um i still need to see all of curious case of benjamin button uh that's a long one um not that this wasn't long but and uh what was the other one um i haven't watched his girl with the Uh, dragon tattoo and Gone Girl as well. Oh, Gone Girl. I, I do that's, need to. That's a great one, too. I'm going to have to put this one right behind Fight Club. Okay. And that's one we've covered on the show. That was one of our early episodes. Um, Fight Club and for one me. One of my favorite movies. Right. I remember that. Fight Club for me holds a special place because um, of when I saw it. You know, I was, I was in the perfect age for that movie when it came out in 99. And I saw it in the theater, uh, and I love that. But this, I saw this in the theater as well. This is just a phenomenal film, start to finish. There's very little I can say negative about it at all. Um, mm-hmm. And I know, Tyler, you'd mentioned before we got started that uh, you love David Fincher as well. Yeah, I actually saw this uh, in theaters, but it was before my love of David Fincher had really started. I think I'd seen Fight Club maybe seven by that point. But uh, I actually went into it not really knowing what to expect or I guess I was expecting a different movie so I was expecting more of a straightforward uh you know detective story and I actually came out of it like really disappointed and kind of upset like it's like they didn't even tell me who the murderer was like (laughs) the guests but they you know a couple people but it was like it I I was frustrated and then it took me a couple years to come back to it and go oh no this is a great movie. This is, that was my, my problem was, was not, it wasn't the movie's problem. It was my problem. And the thing is, is they never figured out officially who the Zodiac killer was too. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I felt that that was a really good thing that they kept for the movie. Mm-hmm. No, it, I, I get exactly what you're saying, Tyler, because if you didn't have, like, I didn't have expectations going into this other than I love David Fincher, so I was good with that. But um, you're right. This isn't what you would think it would be. And even the marketing for it at the time didn't really give you an idea of what you were getting into just because it's this is a hard movie to, to explain unless you've seen it. It's It's a detective movie where they're doing actual detective work in a way that real detectives do it. It's not uh, it's not Hollywood detective work. It's not there's very little action in the movie at all. Yeah. Um but it just it plods and it takes place over whatever it is. I think the the whole movie takes place over like 22 years, but the gist of it takes place over about 10, 11 years. Um and that was what I loved about it. And it, it's funny because I came out of this movie. I saw this with some friends of mine. Um, actually, Joe, who has been on this show quite a few times, we went and saw it together. And we all thought at the time, wow, this is a lot like All the President's Men. And that was like our first reaction to it. It's the feel that you got from it. Later on, we find out that one of David Fincher's uh, kind of inspirations for this movie was All the President's Men. And I, have you seen that before? I have not. I, no. 
if you like the tone of this movie, see that. It's it's uh, it's Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman um, about the Watergate tapes, Woodward and Bernstein back in the you know uh, 70s or whatever. It is really, really, really good, uh, and it is very much like this, where it's just it's a lot of it takes place in the newsroom of the Washington Post and all of that. So if you liked this movie, you probably would like that. It's that same. In fact, I believe, and I'd have to look this up, but I think the same composer did the music for both like i think fincher sought him out because he liked the music that he had done so he got him to do the the original music obviously none of the licensed stuff but um yeah that i just i love the fact that it's a it's a movie that doesn't give you an answer it's it's very realistic in that way it's very true to life of the story um and they do lean in some directions i want to talk about that a little bit later some of the ideas that they uh, try to get across throughout the movie, but I do want to talk about the cast because holy hell is the cast of this movie good. Um, oh yeah, I'm Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo, and I have to say that his sideburns threw me off for a minute at first, and I thought he <laughs> might have been uh, John Leguizamo until I actually got a full look at his face. Okay, all right, <laughs> um, yeah, and this is pre Iron Man Robert Downey Jr. This is the year before yeah. Iron Man came out. Um, in fact, you have three MCUs in the MCU cast members in the main cast with him, uh, Gyllenhaal or Gyllenhaal, and Mark Ruffalo. Um, but you also have Anthony Edwards, uh, who was great. Um, and actually, from the trivia that I read, he got cast um, because Fincher wanted somebody who was like a genuinely good person to play that role, and he w- happened to be neighbors with Anthony Edwards. So, uh, you know, obviously, I'm always going to remember Anthony Edwards as Goose from Top Gun doesn't matter how long he was on okay. VR. Okay, now I can place the face. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you had, uh, I mean, even all the, the small supporting actors, uh, you had Dermot Mulroney, uh, isn't it? He, um, they had him wearing a fat suit because I guess Fincher thought he looked too in shape to be the police chief. Um, Elias Coteus, who was the um, Vallejo, California sheriff, uh, Molinex, uh, who I love and love him in everything I've seen him in. He was... For me, he'll always be Casey Jones from the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. But uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He's great. Uh, Philip Baker Hall, John Carroll Lynch, who is uh, Arthur Lee Allen. Mm -hmm. Um, That scene with the four of them when they're interrogating Arthur Lee Allen for the first time or questioning him, I love that scene because it's so simple. It's just four guys sitting in a room. There's a little bit of tension, and my dog is apparently barking. So I apologize for that. Um, there's a, there's a little bit of tension, but it's not overly tense, but it's just four really good actors sitting in a room together, um, acting and it's great. There was only one, uh, the, the one problem I had with this movie was during that scene. Okay. Um, he claims that he's only left-handed, but he's got his watch on his left hand. So it's really funny that you bring that up. Um, Okay, hang on just a minute. Sorry. What? We're going to need about a five-minute pause. Apparently, somebody has to go outside. So, sorry. Talk, I forgot talk. to go before the show. <laughs> I'll let it go this time. Um, right. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll be back. So, yeah. Um, yeah. America's Next Top Podcaster, huh? Yeah. Yeah, um, I actually I got taken out uh, week three, so it didn't last too long, but it was still a really cool experience. Um, I never actually this is really the first this is actually the first time I've gotten to interact with Travis uh, directly, other than just chat. So, uh, but uh, yeah, this, it was a really fun experience. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm the one of the reasons I noticed the whole watch thing is that I as well am, am ambidextrous, but predominantly yeah. left-handed in that. But, my brother's so it, left-handed, so, yeah. It, it's one of those things that I tend to notice. Yeah, and I know, I know. I mean, I wear my, I wear a watch, and I wear it on my, my left hand, because I'm right-handed, but I know there are people who will just, out of preference, switch, wear the watch on their dominant hand or something. But. And sometimes it comes with the profession, too, so. Hmm. Working in a factory like that, I could see how you could, you know, scrape up the glass on the on the face of it, having to do left-handed motions in a right-handed factory. True. Yeah, I didn't think about that. 
All right. I'm back. <laughs> um, okay, so, yeah, so you mentioned he's wearing his watch on his right hand, right wrist, and he's saying he's left-handed. Or he's wearing on his left wrist. He's yeah. saying he's left-handed. So what's funny is Patty, who's also been on the show quite a bit, she couldn't do this week, but she sent me that exact thing. She's like, they they make a show of putting the camera on his watch and him saying he's left-handed, but apparently they never mention it in any of the commentary tracks or anything. So, hmm. so one of the rare slip-through-the-cracks thing? I don't know. I think that was more just kind of Fincher wanting to show maybe that he thinks Arthur Lee Allen was the Zodiac without just coming right out and saying it. That's kind of what I was. It's kind of what I was hinting at that I wanted to talk about a little bit later. Is you know they really? I really think. I mean, that's as close as you're going to get, right? At this point. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was just one of the ways they were kind of pushing you in that direction, right? But uh, yeah. So I mean, and I, look, John Carroll Lynch is another one of those actors that you never know his name, but you see his face. And you see him in stuff, yeah. and it's like, oh, it's that guy. I've seen him in something. I can't remember his name, but he was, for a small part, not on screen a whole lot. He was great, and he's memorable. Like, you remember the look mm-hmm. on his face when he says, I'm not the Zodiac. Yeah, yeah. And actually, this is, like, the, the big role that I know him from is, is Zodiac. Yeah, there's for me, it's this and, actually, the movie Volcano, of all things. because <laughs> And mostly because in Volcano, he... Um, he has a, a very memorable exit from the movie. I'll put it that way. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely one I know him from. Um, Drew Carey's brother, apparently. Oh, on the show. Okay. Oh. Um, but yeah, just so many like small parts, uh, little little bits here. Chloe Sevigny uh, as his, his wife, as Jake Gyllenhaal's wife. Gyllenhaal was great in this, by the way. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. You know, he was still pretty young. Uh, but what I liked about it was it was a little different for him. Downey, Robert Downey Jr. is being Robert Downey Jr. He's just, yeah, you know, chewing the scenery. Apparently, I was reading that he had, and I don't know if this was on any of the special features or anything, but he he wasn't used to the shooting style that David Fincher did because they shot most of this digitally. I'm not sure if uh, you knew that or not, except for anything slow-mo because they didn't have good yeah. digital slow-mo at this point. Um, but he wasn't used to the style that Fincher did with a lot of takes and with the digital being able to reset so quickly. So he was getting all upset that uh, he didn't have, I think the quote was, I don't have time to get my shit together. So <laughs> his, like... That, that, that sounds like a Robert Downey Jr. thing to say. It really does. And so, like, his way of protesting was, and again, this is trivia I found on, like, IMDb, so take it with a grain of salt, was to put jars of his own urine around set. I don't know. I don't know. Iron Man, I'd believe it. (laughs) Yeah, he's probably still whacked out a little bit. Um, Because this was... He got into the Iron Man role, he started hiding food. How do you think he got so good at hiding food? He had to be good at hiding the jars of urine. That's a good point. Um, Yeah, I... Look, he was great in this. I mean, everybody is spot on. Even the guy who plays the survivor at the very end, um, Mm -hmm. that actor, Jimmy Simpson... Yes. He, I've seen him a few places. Yeah, he, he did. Uh, I know he was on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He did a couple episodes of Psych. He plays a lot of very uh, interesting. In Westworld. Westworld, yeah. yeah. He, That's where I know him from. He, like, everything I have seen him in, he's always playing a really weird or, like, eccentric character. So for him to play very straight in this was a little different for me, just because it's just not how I'm used to seeing him. But he's really good in that one scene he's in, like, mm-hmm. th- and that's that's David Fincher. I mean, that dude gets good performances out of everybody. He got a good performance out of friggin' Jared Leto. And I'm sorry, I I don't particularly don't care for Jared Leto, but he was like his performance in uh, Panic Room. You just because you, you were supposed to hate that character, and you do. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, just cast all the Marvel cast, uh, Monica says. Yeah, basically. Um, No, just cast top to bottom. I can't say anything bad about anybody that was in this movie. Uh, They're all great. 
I liked that they had different actors portraying the Zodiac for the different kills. Yes. So that was great. Yeah, that was really, that was a a very smart play by them. So they can't say they went in any one direction. It was always somebody a little bit different. Um, And in fact, I I think. Nobody had a concrete, who is this person? Right. In fact, I think the, uh, all the photos at the end are, are of the different actors that portrayed him throughout the movie. And, you know, too, I like how they they sort of play up the fact that no one really knew, you know, what how many of the letters were authentic versus how many yeah. of them were copycat, how many phone calls were copycat, you know. I, I really liked how they did that and how they played this out because in the end, most of the time in Hollywood you get a detective movie. It's, you know, it's pretty open and shut. And I like that this was, this was the opposite of that. Uh, and it made you think and it made you pay attention to things. Um, one that I read that I thought was kind of cool is throughout the entire movie, Mark Ruffalo is mooching food off of people. You know, he's yeah. taking half a sandwich and all this, except for the last scene in the diner. He gets up, he pays for breakfast. Like, hmm. kind of almost almost him saying like, yeah, I, I believe you kind of thing, which I thought was just an, a neat little, I never thought about that in all the times I've seen this movie. Uh, until this one time, so. Yeah, I hadn't either. I just assume, you know, I've, been watching it like the uh, he's constantly on the move, kind of a thing where he doesn't have time to get lunch, so he bums half a sandwich off of his partner, or he's like, "Hey, do you have any snacks in the glove compartment?" Yeah, just because he's you know he's he's moving and doesn't have time. And I also uh, I thought it was funny. I didn't notice it until this time around because um, Mark Ruffalo is a vegetarian. So the scene where he's in the diner the first time with Hall and he's eating the hamburger, he takes a big bite out of it, he chews it, and he spits it out into a napkin because he, ref- he wouldn't swallow the burger. Why they didn't get him a veggie burger, I don't know, but I didn't notice that until I'd read some trivia, and I'm like, oh, look at that. Now I can't unsee that. I will always see him spitting out burger. Oh. Hmm. Yes, Mark Ruffalo, this was uh, this, and there was another movie he did. Can't think of the name of it now. I always want to say it's a Revolutionary Road, but I know it's not that. It's something else like that. Um, that he was in were the two movies that when I heard he got cast as Bruce Banner, I was like, okay, I like Mark Ruffalo a lot, so I will see that. Um, yeah, he's great. Uh, oh man, I'm trying to think. There was somebody else that just real. Oh, Donald Logue, um, uh, Ken Narlow, the the guy from is it Napa? Um, the, he is, yeah, 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 he, I love him too. He's again, not in this for very much. And I usually think of him as being, um, uh, a comedic actor because a lot of times he plays somebody really funny and really goofy, but he's really good. He's just everybody playing it perfectly straight. No, I did not. Did I say Bruce Wayne? I meant Bruce Banner. If I said Bruce Wayne, I'm sorry about Mark Ruffalo. Monica in the chat distracting me again. There you go. Um, so, okay. If I were to tell you that this movie probably had more digital effect shots in it than anything else we've watched on this show so far, Keith, do you think that would... you Would you believe me if I told you that? I wouldn't. A lot of it looked fairly practical. So, yeah, this movie is full of... Now, Fincher's known for this because uh, yeah. he does a lot of period movies and he does a lot of stuff where... It's very subtle, but pretty much any shot of San Francisco, uh, they had to go through and remove, you know, satellite dishes and buildings and cars and stuff like that. So all of those shots, um, the shot, uh, and if you're watching the live stream, the poster has the picture of the um, Golden Gate Bridge and all the fog over it. All that fog had to be digitally added. In fact, here's a cool thing. Uh, and I knew this before I watched it this time. I didn't know it the first time I saw it. So the entirety of the scene where they uh, are checking out the, the cab and the murder of the taxi cab driver, yep. there's about two seconds of that that was actually shot in San Francisco on the street. The whole rest of it was rebuilt in a stage and then digitally pieced together and added in for the skyline and everything. Hmm. So that's the kind of stuff. And Fincher does that all the time. I mean, if you look at, like, Social Network, they they did it with an entire character in that, with one of the Winklevoss twins. 
Yeah, uh, Gone Girl has a, another big chunk of where he just he pastes out what the original backgrounds are, and he constructs the entire building that the characters walk into. Um, and the special features for Zodiac, there's they show that cab scene, like filming it, and there's just it's green screens everywhere. It's Ruffalo just standing in the middle of nothing re that's real, other than maybe the cab itself. And it's like it feels like a pictures from like one of the prequel Star Wars movies where everything is green and blue screened and nothing is real. Yeah, and but it's crazy. You watch the movie and you don't see it. You, everything feels real in the movie. It's yeah, and and that's again a testament to Fincher as a director, but also the way that they're doing. Like they're doing this with a scene that's you know only a couple of actors. You get really good actors and you do multiple takes. You have a good script to work with. And uh, it works. I mean, it can be done. I've always kind of been on the side that George Lucas isn't a great director anyway. But this just shows that something like that can work. It just has to be done right. And, you know, also Fincher uses, like I said, a lot of CGI to to augment uh, shots that they get in a way that I feel like CGI really works. Mix it with practical. Yeah. You know, when you're going to do a period piece like this, you don't want to see a, a you know a '93 uh, Nissan drive by, so you paint that out, um, and it works. It works really, really well. Plus, you know, period pieces are always hard. Whether it's something that's just, especially one that's like this, where there's plenty of people that were alive when this happened, so they're going to notice things like that. And CG works best, in my opinion, when you don't see it. Mm-hmm. Like I just watched. Um, Aquaman the other night it's a good movie I have nothing wrong with it but man there's a lot of it where you know because you can just tell obviously they can't film underwater but you know so much of the the stuff that gets fully CG'd it can take you out of it now in a movie like Aquaman you expect that so it takes you out a lot less but I've seen lesser films like there's no blood uh, on set in this movie, it's all yeah, was, digital post production. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, he didn't yeah. use any any squibs or anything. It's just all after after the fact. Yeah, and and I've seen Even that done. That stabbing scene. Yeah, you, and and I've seen it done in movies where it just looks bad. You obviously, Keith, you couldn't tell. So that that is a testament to how good huh. they did. And that helped them to uh, shoot quicker and stay under budget. They they shot the whole movie. Um, on time and under budget, which, I mean, that never Bravo. happens. <laughs> In San Francisco, no less. Which was part of why they had to do that cab scene on a stage, because uh, there were people in the neighborhood that were complaining, and there were, like, something with the permits. They couldn't, they couldn't shoot what they wanted to, so. Um, but, yeah, I, okay, so, Keith, your first viewing of this, what kind of expectations did you have coming into it? Like, what were you expecting? Well... I I was moderately familiar with, uh, you know, the Zodiac lore Mm -hmm. coming into this and how they'd never figured out who it was. So the ending wasn't really a surprise to me, but it was also, um, I felt that it was well done. They didn't, they didn't say this is for sure, but you know, the way, the way Jake Gyllenhaal's character eyed down Lee um, at the end there, that seemed uh, very much like, you know, like he said, he wanted to look him in the eye and know it. Mm-hmm. And I I think he knew it at that point. Oh, yeah. No, he definitely did. Um, yeah. it, was a good sus- it was a good suspense um, movie, and I found, I, found uh, um, I-, I felt that everybody kind of, they felt like they were in that time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned the suspense because there's really only a couple of scenes that have kind of that tension to them. Um, the biggest one being when he goes to the guy's house that has all the mm-hmm. movie posters, which that was Charles Fleischer, by the way. Um, and I need to confirm this, but I'm pretty sure in my brain I've got it. Uh, but are either of you familiar with the name Charles Fleischer? No. No. So, let me find this real quick. But, uh, you you may have seen something else he was in. 
He was the voice of Roger Rabbit. Oh. Oh. That's cool. And uh, would not have made that connection. No, <laughs> not at all. It doesn't sound anything like it, but um but yeah, it's just funny that that's like the the biggest tension moment in the movie has Roger Rabbit in it. And apparently Jake Gyllenhaal had known uh him since he was like 3 years old or something. I don't know. Um, but that that whole scene like that's another one of those it's just a great tension building scene because it builds slow and then you get like the realization in Robert Graysmith's face of like oh oh I have made a tactical error I want to get out of this but how and yeah I still want to know who the hell else was in the house that I will probably never figure out what the floor because you actually you see the floorboards move Mm -hmm. um and you hear a couple of footsteps upstairs, too. Yeah. So that, I don't... To this day, I'm not sure who that was supposed to be. If it was supposed to be Arthur Lee out, um, or not. But, man, that whole scene is just ratcheting up the tension, ratcheting it up, and just a master class in doing it. Fincher's so good at tension in movies, yeah. too. Uh, um, I mean, I, I can sit here and praise this movie for hours. I just... I- I mean, definitely that that scene with the guy who's like, "Oh, there's not, you know, not many houses in California have basements." But um, the, just the the scene with the stabbing of the two the couple, mm-hmm. where they're, you know, you see, you know, she sees him approaching, and it's just kind of like, you know, he's trying to talk to the the zodiac, and you know, maybe talk him down or get some information out of him. That whole scene was great too. Where you're just like, like, what do you do? You're stuck. You're you're trapped, and you know it. Mm-hmm. But you what do you do in a situation like that? Right, and he's doing everything the way you would be taught to, like give him what he wants, offer him whatever, mm-hmm. and the whole time Zodiac's just staring at him, and he's not making any noise, and ooh, it's just... Yeah, it was so good. So much of it. Even like the last the last scene in the movie with the, the kid in the airport in 91, like just the realization on his face that that's the guy that shot me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many of those moments in this movie. And again, it's, it's one of those things Fincher is really good at doing. It was one of the reasons why I enjoyed seven so much was it just kept building on itself. And this movie did that. It just did it in a much slower pace. I mean, this this is three hours long. Um, but really feel like it was that long to me. Exactly. This is one of those three hour. It's like the first time I saw the green mile. I was like, that was three hours long. It didn't feel like it. That's it's a well paced movie. And some three-hour movies just feel forever. I've had hour-and-a-half-long movies that feel like they take forever. Um, but it's a great script, uh, and a lot of this was based on Robert Graysmith's book. Um, I also like the quote he said after seeing the movie, oh, now I get why my wife divorced me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you really get a feel for him just coming off the rails and not noticing it. Well, yeah, I mean, like when- he gets the kids, his the kids involved, where they're, they're like his all his assistants, and yeah. they're all like, "Oh, well, what about the astrology?" And it, it's like, that's the point where you know it's gone full crazy. Oh yeah, yep. And uh, what I like is because this movie takes place over so long a time, you you kind of get there's you know little subtle changes. Every scene, Mark Ruffalo's got a little more gray in his hair, or Robert Downey Jr. is a little more slovenly, and he's drinking a little bit more now. That was another change. He's got an oxygen tank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, that was a change in um, that character. So the actual Paul Avery did not leave the San Francisco Chronicle and go live in seclusion like that. He kept writing. Um, but, hey, you know. He, he, he actually, made... in, the, in the movie, he moves to Sacramento, which is where I live. So oh, I wouldn't call it Sacra- Sacramento seclusion. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I've never been to Sacramento, but I hear it's nice. Except for when you had Kevin Johnson as your mayor. Yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I mean, aside from like small changes, and and that's the thing too. This is a movie about real people, real events yeah. that happened, um, which is always a, a tricky and touchy thing to do. And they did such a good job with it. Like I've never, I've never come across any articles of people being upset with the way they were portrayed. Um, or, you know, even family members of, like, you know, people in this movie that had passed away. Because I think Paul Avery died early 2000s or something. Um, but, you know, you just, you don't hear, you don't hear anything negative about it. And I think it's because Fincher really wanted this to be realistic. He really wanted to capture what, what happened. 
um, and went to great lengths to do that. There was something like 18 months of research and investigation went into this before they started production um, with him and one of the writers and I think a producer, like interviewing people and interviewing the, yeah. the police officers and all of that. You said... I know... Sorry, oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to... You, you said you watched some of the special features because you have the Blu-ray of this. Yes. Uh, yeah, one of the things I was going to bring up was that they had... I guess they had to track down one of the victims. Like, they had to like, hire a private detective to find one of the victims. Uh, the All of the victims' clothing that they're wearing in the murder scenes are they went and pulled up the police records so like here's what the first victim you know the first victim in the movie uh this is what her dress looks like here's what shoes she was wearing and they built they basically made that fabric from scratch and then made a dress out of that fabric and really went went all out on the details um i you know i don't i'm sure a lot of movies based on you know real events a lot of times they have to combine or create a new character. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I have to, I'm sure they did at some point, but mo- I, all these characters are really based on real people that yeah, really I, existed. So like, th- I, there's not a lot of like, oh, well, we had to combine this guy with this guy and make a new character or something. Oh, composite I characters, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think they really had to do that with this with, with the movie. Uh, I, not to my knowledge, but again, that's a testament to just how much work they put into, like, we want to recreate all of this, um, right down to, uh, the banter between the, the host and, um, Brian Cox's character who I didn't mm-hmm. even mention in the cast, another one of those actors I'll watch in anything talking about his appearance on Star Trek. Um, mm. there was one thing they did say that, uh, was it Belli, I think? was his name um never actually touched the letter that showed up at his house that's i mean that's fine you know that was i will say okay i i said i can't say anything negative about this there's one negative thing i can say about this and it's a nitpick well it was uh no um when they go to uh arthur lee allen's trailer and they go inside and they're looking over everything these are police officers Right. These are inspectors mm-hmm. in the San Francisco de- Police Department or detectives in any other police department. Where are the gloves? None of them are wearing gloves. Not a one. And they're just yeah. like, oh, I got a rifle. Hey, check. You know, it's like, yeah, that's a bad move. Um, that bugged me. But, I mean, again, it's nitpicky. Outside of that, I can't, can't find faults in this movie, really, anywhere. But, I mean, you know, it's Fincher. The, like I say, this is probably my favorite Fincher movie, and I love Fight Club. I love Seven, um, but this one for me is the top of the mountain. Now, maybe yeah. uh, maybe if I see a couple of the other ones, I might like something better. I might like Gone Girl better, but it's hard to hard to do really. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much research that you can tell on the special features. Like um, they're talking about the they're in the, the first murder that they show in the movie the cop that shows up and you only see his like his legs his feet mm-hmm. walking up to the crime scene and they're talking about that in the thing and they're like oh yeah that's officer so-and-so like they know who that guy is that's not just some random oh we need to have an officer show up and discover the the scene of the crime no that's officer bob so-and-so yeah like it's because he's a real guy so right yeah and and you know and when you put that level of work into background and research of your movie it shows on screen even though yeah. you're never gonna um, you're never gonna know who that officer is unless you've studied the case yourself, it's like it, it's little things like that. They just add layers upon layers of things to this movie. The the watch thing, right? Like mm-hmm. that's something, or just the way that they interact. The fact that you know here's a detective who literally was the uh, influence for Bullet, and he is like the most low key detective ever and he's just like I, I need to do this right you know I did find it interesting how they gloss over um, kind of how he would write the letters for wanting that character to come back there, there's that little bit where he gets kicked off of homicide after the most recent letter shows up yeah and they didn't really go into detail about that a whole lot I, I kind of get it. it it's not super important at that point but I thought that was interesting insight into uh, David Toski 
and who he was that that he did that because you know there was no way I would ever think that he was involved in the Zodiac killings but it's just interesting that that's how things can get spun and that was one of the kind of neat things about this was this didn't lean in one direction either way whether the police are always right or always wrong or the the um press is always right or always wrong like it really played it right down the middle of like they're just all trying to do their job and some of them do it better than others some of them take i mean you got paul avery kind of taking risks and doing things that are a little bit underhanded um because he's just trying to you know do the best job that he can and then ego gets into it um but yeah it just yeah yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure a lesser movie would have introduced a uh, rival person at the, you know, the Chronicle, who's like, oh, well, I, I want to find out the Zodiac first, and and you know, so they're like sabotaging Hall or something, you know. But they never do that. They respected the audience enough to just like, you know, here's a. It's going to be a little slow, but uh, we're going to keep your attention with the other with the how well the actors portray everything. Yeah, there and was one scene that made me bust out laughing, though. Which one was that? Um, what what are you drinking? It, it, it's an <laughs> yeah, aquavelva. I, you wouldn't be making fun of it if you'd try it. Smash Takes cut. Takes a big like... sip. Smash cut. He's got his face on the table. There's four empty glasses in yep. front of him. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was awesome. No, I like the way you worded that, Tyler. Respected the audience enough um, because yeah. that really is what they did with this movie. They they respected their audience to be able to follow along a three-hour-long talkie movie, right? Because this is just a, a super dialogue-heavy uh, movie uh, that moves at a snail's pace. But yet that pace is exactly what it needed. and Because that's how the case unfolded. Yeah, well, and that's how actual yeah. detective work usually goes. You know, it takes weeks, months, sometimes years to get uh, to figure out a case, and they're... You know, they're dealing with trying to find... That wasn't the only case those detectives were working on during that time, either. Right, exactly. Um, No, I I just... I don't know. I mean, I I become a broken record when I watch a... When we review a movie that I like this much, I just... Oh, I can't get enough of this. Like, I want to go watch it again. And I just got done watching it this afternoon. It's that... For me, it's that kind of movie. And... And... It's because it's Fincher, and it's just top to bottom, an all-star cast of people just on their A-game all the way through it. And you got some great one-liners in it, too. Like, uh, you mentioned the Aqua Velva, and I just love the way he brings that up, too, because uh, I did capture a little bit of audio. There's not a ton. This isn't like a, a one-liner quip movie whatsoever. And there's also the sound design in this movie is great because anytime they're in the newsroom, it's just this constant din of typewriters and noises and things from the seventies. That was what made me think of all the president's men. Um, is just ashtrays on every desk. Yeah. People smoking everywhere. I love the, the announcement on the airplane smoking must be kept to the, the six rows in the back or something like that. Uh, you know, little things like that, but I did capture a little bit of audio. Yeah. Um, and this was the Aqua Velva. I just love, because this is classic Robert Downey Jr. Right, this can no longer be ignored. What is that you're drinking? It's an Aqua Velva. This can no longer be ignored. <laughs> um, they Okay, uh, I'm going to play this audio, and it does have a word that I don't like uh, being spoken anymore, but this is, A, it was the 70s, so the word was used a lot more back then. But also, this is just a great exchange between Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, the guy with the coffee. Does it bother you that people call you shorty? Does it bother you that people call you a retard? Nobody calls me that. Followed immediately by... Uh-huh. And then, yeah, is, do, do people ever call you? No, no one does that. I mean, like... <laughs> yeah, it just... Oh. <laughs> um, they mentioned a couple times him being a Boy Scout, and I love how how innocently he would react to that uh, when he meets with Ken Narlo and uh, they just have this. What are you, some kind of Boy Scout? Eagle Scout, actually, first class. Like, just genuinely, you know, I was an Eagle Scout. That was, I think that's what I loved about his character is probably, so it's a three-hour runtime. I would say through two and a half hours of it, he is just this wide-eyed, naive kid. 
And it's really in that last half hour when it jumps ahead a few years where you start to see everything is unraveling for him. Um, but at the same time, like he's losing that naivete. But um, there's also the, um, uh, had it. No, I lost it. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Um, I captured this because this, this just made me chuckle. And now I have this sound forever. It's when he's, he runs up after he got, um, done looking through all the case files in Vallejo and he like runs out, grabs his briefcase and leaves. And the one cop turns to Mullinex and he's like, who was that? And he goes, Oh yeah, it's Robert Graysmith. He thinks he's going to solve the Zodiac murders and just his reaction to that. Well, good for him. Good for him. (laughs) him. Uh, I remember it. I remember what I was going to say now. Okay. Uh, When, when Downey's character is like, what, when, what's your angle? You know? Oh yeah. What do you stand to gain? And he's just like, Mm -hmm. what? Yeah. No, it's this this is this is a thing that needs to be resolved. We, I'm I'm trying to help. Yeah, he genuinely just wanted to help. Um yeah. and I love that. I think it's great. Uh one other well, two. Two other bits of audio I want to play. So, one is Philip Baker Hall who was the uh handwriting expert, the the older one. First of all, love him. Like he he was in The Rock. Um I remember seeing him in an episode of Psych. You see him in a bunch of stuff. He's one of those character actors that's always around, but he had another one of those lines that makes you chuckle, and it's when he's looking stuff over, and Mark Ruffalo's like, what's that? There's some similarity in the lowercase r's. What's that? <laughs> and that? There's you waiting in the hall. If you speak again, I have to concentrate. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, comes to speaking. <laughs> and then he just waits. Sets everything down. <laughs> it was such a good scene. It really is. And, you know, it takes somebody like him to pull that off. Because his voice, there's something about his voice that I just love. And it's the a way, grandfather tone. Like, it really is. I have so much more patience and spite than you. You <laughs> can't even fathom. And then the last one, because it is, uh, for some reason, I like capturing audio that just makes my skin crawl. And it's uh, it's Arthur Lee Allen. Um and you probably know this one. And I think this actually got used in some of the trailers, too. But they wouldn't show his face. They'd just play the audio of it. I'm not the Zodiac. And if I was, I certainly wouldn't tell you. Yeah. Like, that'll, that'll give you shivers, just the way he says that. And, again, Fincher being Fincher, he shoots that whole investigation from the middle of it right so he put he plops the camera right down in between these four guys and then it's just shot reverse shot close-ups mm-hmm. of all of them flipping through and then occasionally he'll throw in a shot kind of looking across somebody at mark ruffalo or whatnot but and it's just john carroll lynch staring right down the camera saying yeah. i'm not the zodiac like so good such yeah. that that whole scene i mean i had to stop and write myself a note about that scene that just a great scene in a collection of actors just doing what they do and you feel and like yeah go ahead oh, and that's Fincher's style he locks down the camera uh if you any of his movies the camera if the camera is going to move it's going to be locked on some kind of wheels or it's a digital uh effect shot where there's no shaky cam it's if there's movement it's with intention and it's just it's so beautiful like you could just do screen captures of any of his any frame in the movie of any of his movies and yes great now we just watched the shining a few weeks ago uh which was um uh kubrick and he was the same way like everything right in the center for kubrick yeah yeah and and you're right i mean lynch doesn't use that to my knowledge i can't remember a handheld shot in any of his movies but everything is either locked down or it's that He'll have a lot of impossible move cameras, the CG mm-hmm. shots, but there yep. it, it is. It's and I think that goes back to his um, music video days, because if you think about music videos when he was doing them in late '80s, early '90s, that was the style that a lot of people did for music videos was because you had to shoot everything uh, on sound stages, so you're not going to have a lot of handheld because you don't have anywhere to move with that. So you get a lot of these lockdown dolly shots and all of that. And you're right. Like that's Fincher to a T and mm-hmm. it works so well for this scene to just set the camera right down in the middle. Now you feel like you're right in the middle of this conversation and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're subtly sniping at each other while they're doing it. And like, 
it's a chess game. The you got the three detectives who are kind of trying to trying to play their hand without giving too much away. Meanwhile, you got Arthur Lee Allen on the other side. Pretty much had it figured out from the start. Like he knew why they were there, but he does such a great job of convincing you that he's just this normal guy and then there'll be little things he does to give himself away. You know, so whether you believe that he was the Zodiac or not, like that whole scene is just so well done. And that's why I had to capture that audio. And now I have it forever. I say okay. Uh, if you if you love that that's that sh- that scene where they're doing the interviews, um, and if you haven't already, check out Mindhunter on Netflix. It's uh, <sighs> it's it's Fincher, and it's it's them going to interview uh, serial killers, and getting the whole figuring out what the mindset behind serial killers are. Um, but it's all. Uh, you know, there's stuff that happens outside the prisons, but it's the the best stuff is when they go into to talk to serial killers who have done horrible, terrible things, and they're just like, oh yeah, so I you know I killed this person this way, and I I you know took the saw and I did this, and uh, it's really it really interesting show. I have heard that it's on my list of things to watch um, because, and when I found out it was uh, David Fincher, it made me want to watch it even more. Yeah, um, it really feels like uh, Zodiac the series. I'm I'm sold. You've got me. Yeah. Mind Hunter, you say? Yes. Okay. Good. 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 More. More good stuff. And and it's funny because, I mean, I shouldn't think of like ooh serial killer stuff, but it's it's the psychology of it, and it's the the way that you know they try to figure it out, and the cat and mouse of it. Like that's what I loved about that scene is yes. there's there's such a cat and mouse game going on between the four of them, and yes. it's you know, it's three on one, and yet. He walks away. Right. Yeah, they they still can't pin anything on him after that. Like, they were looking at his boots, even, and, like, trying to figure out, are are those wing walkers? Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, Yeah, I look, good movie. You should see it. You guys should uh, definitely see All the President's Men. If you like this movie, you would like that. Um, There's a reason. I think that was a, I should look it up, but I think that was an Oscar winner. Uh, if it wasn't, it was definitely nominated. Um, and it's just the same type of thing. That's the movie. Um, now, I also kind of want to go out and see uh, The Most Dangerous Game now. Yeah, I did get. I did walk away from that, from the Zodiac, wanting to see that. Yeah, that's one that uh, I know it's an older one, and I've never seen it um, And they kind of did something like it with Gary Busey and Ice-T. Well, yeah, that was surviving the game. Um, but yeah, that, no, that's was... why I said kind of did yeah. something <laughs> like it. Hey, it had iced tea in it, so I'm fine with it. Okay, because he's yeah. great. Um, but yeah, it, it's just one of those uh, one of those movies that I never saw. Um, I would like to find the book and read that too. Because um, yeah, I, I think he has I, a couple books. Yeah, and I knew about the the, the most dangerous game before Zodiac. Um, I can't remember where I had like heard it referenced somewhere else, but then. You know, I hadn't heard it for a while. Then I hear it referenced in this again. And now, you know, just rewatching it. I'm like, hey, I need to do that. Hey, we got a Don in the chat room too. Diddy, how you doing, Don? Good to, good to have you in. You're catching kind of the tail end, but. Yeah. Hey, Don. What up, Don Diddy? Don was on last week talking about The Princess Bride because he had never oh, seen yeah. it before. You're not living that one down. <laughs> I, I, I I can't say too much about missing great movies, but how do you miss the perfect movie? Well, go back and listen to last week's episode, and you'll find out. Fair. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. This was. Uh. This was great, Keith. I'm really. Oh, you haven't seen Zodiac either. Ooh, Don, you got to see that. You. I think you would like this one. It's good. Seriously. Yeah, and you know, I I say it a lot, but I I always love when I can show you a movie for the first time and you enjoy it. And I, I kind of had a feeling you would like this one um, just based on kind of the subject matter and just me knowing you. Uh, but I'm really glad that you enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. it's it, Unf- it helps to know your audience sometimes, you know? Very true. Kind of like the, the opposite of me showing you Tank Girl. You know, I wanted to like that movie so much. I'm not living that one down either. Uh, David reminds me of that 
every so often. Um, but uh, where was I going? I don't remember now. Um, no, but I, you mean you saw this movie for the first time? You enjoyed it? I love it. I'll watch it again anytime. I I usually watch it every couple of years, um, just because it's kind of for me. This is like movie comfort food, and it's weird to say that for a three hour movie with like very little action in it. But there's just it's that every frame a painting thing. Yeah. You know, there's just, I can watch it and this, it's like a good crock pot stew. You're going to eat, you know, it's going to take a long time, but it's going to be so good. Yeah. Well, that's not a bad way to put it. Um, excellent. Well, I want to thank both of you guys for joining me tonight. Uh, this was fun. Tyler, thanks for stepping up at the last minute. Uh, I appreciate it. Oh, no, it's fun. It's been great having you on. You're going to be on again uh, in a little bit, actually. Um, towards the end of December, we're uh, we're building out our Christmas movie uh, month, and Tyler has uh, agreed to come on for one of those. I will let everyone know what that is at a later date, but um, that's actually a double feature, too. So that'll I'm be fun. Looking forward to it. Uh, and Keith, as always, a pleasure. Um, always fun being here. And... Uh, Definitely, if you haven't seen Zodiac yet, Don, you being, I'm, I'm talking to you now, uh, watch this movie. It's great. Um, but until next time, oh, I should tell people where they can find the damn show. Um, right, so tvstravis.com is the place to go to find this show. Uh, there's a big subscribe button right there. We record every Sunday night and stream it live at twitch.tv forward slash tvstravis. Um put the shows out on usually Wednesdays, uh, Wednesday afternoons uh, are when new episodes go live. Do them every week. Uh, next week, I'm not sure yet. I'm leaning towards probably trying to find a way to do planes, trains, and automobiles because it's going to be Thanksgiving week. Uh, it's also my birthday week. It's also uh, one of my favorite movies. Um, I just love, love, love that movie. And it's, you know, the list of Thanksgiving movies begins and ends with that. So, and the cast alone well, is worth it. Steve Martin and John Candy—that's all you need, and yet it has yeah. even more than that. It even has Kevin Bacon yeah. in it. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a Thanksgiving spread of <laughs> actors. Uh, so that's probably what's going to be next week, unless something changes. So uh, stay tuned for that. But um, until then. What we always like to end with is get out and enjoy your movies. This has been Wait You Haven't Seen. Jesus, Harold Christ on rubber crutches, Bobby. What are you doing?